in uh, preparation for uh, today's message, we shall be reading from uh, the book of Hebrews, chap- chapter 4, verses uh, 1 to 13. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. If you have your Bibles with you, please uh, open them in that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. Let's all rise in reverence in the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed entered that rest, just as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David after, us, after so long a time, just as he has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him, whom we have to do. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Good morning. This is good to see you once again on a Sunday. The title of today's sermon is Enter... God's rest, based on Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. And I encourage you, if you have not been following the series, to go to our website, gcfnaga.com, and go to the sermon section, and you will find there our previous sermons. Why is it important? Because we want to study everything according to its context. We are students of the Word of God, 
but we are contextual students. We do not preach a message taken out of context, nor we take verses and add verses from all over the place and create a sermon. We try to be as faithful as we can to the intent and theology of the author. The writer of Hebrews warned the recipients about failing to enter God's rest through unbelief. The ancestors suffered God's judgment. In his wrath, they did not enter into his rest. In the eyes of God, unbelief is wickedness. I'd like to repeat that. And this came from the previous text. Unbelief is wickedness. And unbelief hardens the heart. And from unbelief comes disobedience, comes grumbling, complaining, blaming, worry, anxiety, fear. For God, unbelief in His Word is wickedness. It is evil which God detests. Therefore, God's justice fell upon the ancestors in the wilderness. Therefore, the author of Hebrews admonished the ones he was writing to, to fear, and that is to fear God, while there is still time. Some of them might have failed to receive the promised rest. And the promised rest is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom God called God. Let us read verse 1. Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. So the author believes that the congregation, the Jewish congregation, the Jewish church that he was writing to, is a mixture of those who are believers and probably with those who are non-believers as well, yet they join in the fellowship. And that happens in church as well. Many can come and join, but they do not fully believe the Word of God. But they come and join to listen. And some of you here might be that. You've been here for a long time, but you have not believed His gospel with a full heart. There is still a lot of unbelief in you. Let me go to point number one. And remember this, nothing without faith. You do not benefit from God's Word unless you believe it. And I do mean believe it. Not believe it partially. Not believe it 50% or 70%. Not even 95%. But to believe in the Word of God fully. The author explained about those who heard the good news but gained nothing from it. The reason they did not exercise faith. What they received was punishment for not believing, which was failure to enter his rest. 
but those who believe in the gospel enter into his rest. Let us read verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4 of Hebrews. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he, he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Because of unbelief, they provoke God. Because of their hardened hearts, they provoke God. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, Israel had a choice. Either they believed in God's word or received punishment. They did not believe God's word. So, what happened? They did not enter God's rest. And you know what? God made sure of it. He made sure because he was so provoked in his wrath. He made sure that this generation would not enter his rest. God is gracious. That generation of ancestors has seen the mercy of God in an amazing way. God defeated the most powerful nation during that time, Egypt. Saved them from slavery. He sent the ten plagues. He opened the Red Sea to save them from the Egyptians. He gave them meat when they asked for meat. He gave them water when they were thirsty. Yet they kept complaining and blaming with their unbelief. They provoked God to anger and God made sure that they would not enter into his rest. We do not apologize for God. Some might say to you, some philosopher might say, oh, scary God. Actually, I will affirm it. Yes, fearful, terrible, scary, awesome God, yet merciful and gracious through Christ. You have a choice. The justice of God or the mercy of God through Christ, each one has a choice. Can God be provoked to anger again? The answer is yes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet through Christ, His grace is persistent as well. There you see the love and the goodness of God. Let me say this, the greatest expression of the love of God is what? The suffering, death, and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. The love of God is found in Christ, and we experience it by believing in His Word. Outside of that is wrath and justice, although God may bless everybody on earth with the same rain with the same sunlight, with the same air we breathe, although God may bless everyone, yet you are either in the grace of God or outside of it. 
I hope you can answer the question, why was God provoked to wrath among the fathers in the wilderness? And the answer is their unbelief. The grumbling and complaining is a manifestation, was a manifestation of unbelief in the, in the heart. They complained why? They could not believe that God would truly provide. You see, instead of saying, Moses, can we pray? We are thirsty. Instead of just saying, can we pray together because we're thirsty? We know God is a God of miracles. Instead, they complained and they accused Moses. And they kept doing that continuously. I hope none of us are like that, how God has provided for us in the past, how God has saved us by His grace, how God at the last minute when you needed something and God provided for you, and then the next problem comes along and you worry and you fear, it means you have unbelief. I always tell people, worry is a sin because Jesus said, do not worry. It's a command. We worry as if it's normal. For the world, it is normal. For the believer, it is an insult to the God who provides for us. If one reflects on it, that generation witnessed everything. Ah, can you imagine that? Yet failed to believe in Him. We should be blessed if you, you are blessed if you believe in Him without even seeing those miracles. Point number two, God's rest is like the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath for the Jew? No works. Let us read verses 4 and 5 of Hebrews chapter 4. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, this passage, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. The author explained God's concept of rest. So what is God's concept of rest? We've been talking about rests. This group of people did not enter God's rest. And the writer of Hebrews encourages them to be diligent to enter God's rest. What is God's rest? And the writer also said, before I share what God's rest is according to Scripture, the author also said that it's not the promised land that he was talking about, that the author was talking about, the book of Hebrews. You see, I thought before, without studying the context, that this group of people, the fathers, the ancestors in the wilderness, failed to enter because of their unbelief, and that rest was the promised land. But then the author of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 because at the time of Joshua, Joshua was able to enter, yet Joshua did not give them rest. Because only Christ can truly give rest. Christ is greater than Moses. He is also greater than Joshua. Although at this part, it was not explicitly said that Christ was greater than Joshua. But Joshua was not able to give them rest. Therefore, it is not about the promised land. It is about God's rest in what? God's rest in faith. Because faith is like the seventh day. 
God created the world. Six days he created. On the seventh day, he did no work. Israel, the Hebrews, were slaves for hundreds of years. There was no rest for them. When they became a nation, God gave them a law that on the seventh day, you will do no work. You will rest. That is again a foreshadowing of what is to come, of what is the rest of God in Christ. We rest from our works. Let me explain further. Have you tried not working on a day, just one day? You just decided, I'll not do anything. Until today, you know what the Jewish people do? They prepare everything Friday before the sundown. Before the sun goes down, they work doubly hard. Double work. They work so hard so that on the next day, they relax. They do nothing. And sometimes, you know, not sometimes, that is always good for the soul. It's good for the mind. And rest was also good for the land. This pandemic, many have said, there's a blessing side of this pandemic. We know the discomfort. The, the, the blessing side is many of us rested. But if you worried, you did not rest. <laughs> but if you were afraid, you feared, you did not rest. But those of us who knew how to trust in God, we can say, we trust in your will. If it is time for me to die, then take me. If it is not, then Lord, let your will be done. I will continue serving you. To those of us who have rested in faith, there was no fear. They were not able to enter because of unbelief. Let's read verse 6. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. Now, God's rest in faith in Christ is we are justified by faith and not works. We don't struggle to please God. What, does, what, does, what pleases God? Again, let me say, we should not struggle to please God. We must be diligent to have faith. We must be diligent to keep believing. Because what pleases God? Let me give you something in advance. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what pleases God? Is it your emotionalism when you pray or when you worship? Or when you cry, when you kneel down? Is that the thing that really pleases God? Maybe, yes, of course. But what is that thing explicit in Scripture that pleases God? Faith. It means to trust in His Word. Because His Word says so. Because the Scripture says so. We can rest our hearts and souls on it. If He says this, we trust it. 
If the Bible says everything will work for the good to those who love him and those called according to his purpose, then we trust God in every circumstance. Even if it looks bad, we trust God. When we are tempted to sin and yet we know God's word, we rest in God's word because we trust God more than the feelings and the emotions and the passions of the flesh because we trust him more. When there is crisis right before us and everything we hold dear, is being challenged, as if everything is being stripped away from us like Job. What do we do? We rest and trust in Him. The first thing to do when you are troubled is to rest in faith. If you hear bad news, the first thing you do is do not open your mouth to blame. The first thing you do is to sit down and rest and commune with God. The next thing you should do if you're so stressed out is to pray and then sleep. I'm being practical here. How can I sleep with such a problem? You need to sleep. You need to rest. But I just want to connect it. If you don't want to sleep, that you have to rest in faith. The opposite is what? You think through your struggles, you will bear fruit. Of course, we must obey God. That doesn't mean be lazy. Faith is not lazy. Faith is rested in God, trusting Him for what? For the results you want. Trusting Him that what He promised will happen instead of what? Fearing, complaining, grumbling, fighting. If you are not rested in your life, I invite you to have faith in Him. If you do not know what that is, come to God and say, Give me faith, Lord. Teach me this faith, Lord, that I can rest. In the world, they have to prove something to God. They think they have to prove something so that they can enter heaven. And that is exactly the opposite that God wants because no matter what we do, we cannot earn it. No matter what we do, only Christ can pay for it. So what do we need to do? To trust in what he did, the finished work of Christ. If we trust in the finished work of Christ, all the works that Christ did, we benefit from it. He worked for us. He took our sin upon him and he has given us what? Forgiveness and righteousness. So what is rest? Rest from your sins, brothers and sisters. It means stop working. Rest from your sins. Rest from worry. Rest from lust. Rest from all these things that tempt you. Rest because it troubles your soul. You think sin is enjoyable? It will make you enjoy it for a, a while, for for a season, temporarily, but after that, there is a negative impact into your mind and emotion and body. Maybe not now, but later it will come. But rest in Christ is different. 
God's rest is like the Sabbath. Having faith in Him makes you, your mind and emotions, like it's untouchable. Remember in Ephesians 6, faith, the shield of faith. You're not easily touched by temptation or worry or fear. I say to people, if you have to lie because you want your way or give a half-truth so that you can get away with something, maybe to your parents or to an authority, then you do not trust God. You have to trust God that God can work through the authorities. You may think they're not right, but you could be right or you could be wrong. But what if you're right? Then you have to trust God that God will change their minds. And if not, you still trust God. You remember David in the cave when Saul rested, the, the, the king who was hunting him, who wanted to kill David. David had the chance to just slit the throat of Saul, King Saul. But he did not. He just cut a portion of the robe quietly. And then he said, I could have killed you, but I did not. And he would not because he believed it was God who appointed that authority. But God's promise to David was he would be king. And for David, it's not up to me to kill the king. It's up to God, not me. So if you don't trust authority, you have to lie, give a half-truth to your parents or, or, or even spiritual authority in this church. It means you don't have faith. You don't have faith that God is sovereign and is bigger and is more powerful than anybody else. Have faith, rest. But if you have to say, I must have that, then that is obsession. Because the life of faith is a life of surrender. There is no obsession in the life of faith. There is no, I want that, I have to have it. It is more of, thy will be done, Lord. This is what I pray for. This is what I am working for. Yet thy will be done. It's that trust in God. That God will give, God will take, and God will give again. When I was a new Christian, my cousin was attending this campus ministry. And he had this Bible, the very first Bible that... that my, actually, not the first Bible, the first NASB that I have read was his Bible. I was borrowing it. And uh, in the front part of his Bible, he wrote a modern parable. It's not in the Bible, but it's a nice illustration. It was a very nice illustration. And I read it. And until today, I have not forgotten it. But I have not memorized the words. But let me share to you what I do remember. And it is like this, and this is now my version. That faith in God is like an open hand. And it should stay open. Always. Because God gives and God takes. Such is the life we have. 
surrendered to God. There are things that God may see in our lives that are not healthy spiritually, or He would challenge us to give it up. So we surrender it to the Lord with an open hand. However, some of us lack faith. And instead of living an open hand that God gives and takes, and we trusting in God in our hearts, not being afraid, ready to lose anything and everything for the glory of God, but sometimes some of us lack faith. And what do we do? When we receive something so nice and so precious, we close our hands and we become obsessed and we say, this is mine. Nobody can take it. In our hearts, we are obsessed to a point we are possessed, not demonically, possessed by strong desires. You know what the problem is with the closed hand? God can also no longer give to you as a blessing. You're closing the blessing. But in His love, what does God do in His love? He breaks your little finger till it hurts. So you have to open. Another finger broke it. A third one. And the fourth. Broken fingers. Now it's open again. God can once again bless you and take from you. But you will remember the lesson of your broken fingers. Some of you have gone through that already. And the others, I warn you, that is true. Point number three, God's word is like a sword, be warned. We will be reading verses 11 to 13. Let's jump to verse 11 to 13. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. And then that disobedience, you know, is unbelief. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom... We have to do. The writer urged diligence in entering God's rest. You know, the irony of it. Enter into God's rest, but you have to be diligent. Do not follow the example of disobedience. What is it? Unbelief. They harden their hearts, and the root of that is unbelief. So what is he saying? Be diligent to keep believing the word of God. Because if you keep believing with all your heart... Obedience comes. The actions follow. The mind follows. The emotions follow. The behavior follows. If you truly, truly, overflowingly believe in God's word. Be diligent. And do not follow the example of disobedience. Verse 12 is a warning. Many of us have used this verse as like, I got hit. Oh, Word of God is a double-edged sword. There is some truth to that, but it's worse than that. 
It's worse than that. The Word of God can be a blessing to you or a judgment to you. Remember, for the Word of God is living. Hear that? The words you read, the Word of God from Scripture is alive. If you don't follow it, there's a consequence if you don't believe it. If you believe it, spiritual blessings will come upon you. I am not saying material blessings. It's not always a promise to us, although He will provide for us. But at times, He allows us to suffer for spiritual benefits as well. There are times of blessings and there are times of testings. But for sure, the blessings of the Word of God, the gospel, is the salvation of the soul. And many other spiritual blessings. But it is alive. The Word of God is alive. And it is active. It is active. It has power. God's power is in the Word. His Word created the world. He said, let there be light. And that power is in the very Bible you read. It is there. And many of us have experienced that in our very own lives. How God has transformed and changed us by the power of His Spirit. How He has given us a new heart. His laws He wrote in our hearts. That we have changed and we cannot explain how. But there was peace in following God's Word. Unlike before, there was no peace but you follow your own thing. The Word of God is active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword and Piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And the word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If we disobey, if there is unbelief, the word of God will seek you out. It will cut you. It will hurt you. Or it will bless you. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Wow. You can run, but you can't hide. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Everything is laid bare. You can keep secrets from your family, from your friends, even from your spouse. But God sees everything. And the word hunts you down. And it is a blessing if the word first disturbs your conscience. It means the word is giving you a chance to repent. It disturbs your conscience at times. At times you cannot sleep. Because the word was sent to you. The word of God you've read, it came to you. Some of us, we haven't even read it, but something came upon us and we open scripture and we find it there. God is moving you to do something and it is to follow, to believe God's word. And unless you do so, you will have no peace. Unless you repent of that sin, he will hunt you down. 
Of course, there's an opposite. I remember Deuteronomy 28. If you obey the word of the Lord your God, it says there, I will command my blessings. And even if you run fast, my blessings will overtake you. I like that part better, right? I don't know about you. I don't like the judgment hunting me and I can't hide anywhere because there's nowhere to hide. I'd rather that the blessing come after me and overtake me. You know, you try to run away from the blessing and then you can't hide. <laughs> Just what a life. <laughs> That's the kind of spiritual life I want. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, there's some spiritual enlightenment. There's some spiritual blessing. There's a flood of peace within. Even if everything goes wrong outside, I am at peace within because Christ is in me the hope of glory. The writer urged diligence to enter God's rest. rest. None should follow the example of disobedience because God's word is like a sharp sword and it will judge the thoughts of men. No one can hide. There will come a day when it would be too late. The door will close on all who delayed. They will say, have mercy. Oh, your judgment stay. But they will receive none. Their fears they cannot allay. Why? They miss the day called today. And it says in verse 7, let's read verse 7, let's go back to verse 7. He again fixes a certain day today. Saying through David, after so long a time, just has been said before. What was he saying? What was the writer saying? You see, during the time of the ancestors, they were being told, today, do not harden your heart. In David's day, he was still saying today. And the writer of Hebrews is still saying today, which means, I believe it means, as long as you can hear the message, you can hear the word as like today. Today is the day. As long as you're alive and you can remember the word and the message of God, today is a day not to harden your heart, but to submit to the word of God and trust and believe. Have faith in him. For the one, verse 8, let's read that. For if Joshua had given them rest, it means David would not have repeated this if Joshua gave them rest. But David repeated the word, today do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So we rest from our works. What pleases God? Rest, no works, have faith. No, no, that doesn't mean you don't obey. It means you don't, you don't struggle to please God. You please God first by having faith. Of course, that faith leads you to obedience to Christ. Application, understand the gospel. What is the gospel? You see, they heard good news, but without faith, it did not benefit them. The good news is here, and we hear it. Therefore, we must have faith. We must understand the gospel. For how can we believe in something we do not understand? 
Many of us may know about the gospel or heard the gospel, but we cannot honestly believe it because we do not understand it. If we know the gospel by heart, then we will, we will be able to explain it according to the scriptures. The gospel is not about earning our way to heaven. It is not about being a good or moral person. That is a result of the gospel if you have faith. It is not about that. It is not about helping your neighbor or if you think, I'm not so much of a bad person. I'm not doing harm to anybody, so God will accept me. Then you misunderstood the gospel because the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his suffering and death was because everybody sinned, including you. And even though you don't hurt so many people, because you sinned once by divine law, you must incur the wrath of God. That's why Christ had to die. You only, if you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, somehow you understand the gospel. When you say, I need you, Lord, I have faith in the finished work of Christ, then somehow you understand the gospel. The gospel is good news. The word gospel actually meant, it's not just good news. It's good news from the battlefield. When the rider comes, and he announces to the city, our king prevailed, our king is victorious. They are so happy because they don't have to be slaves of the other kingdom. Our king was victorious in defending the city. That is good news. And that is good news that relieves them. If you understand the good news, it relieves you. Praise God, the king was victorious. Praise God, Jesus was victorious. It seemed on the outside he lost because he suffered and died. But what showed the victory when he defeated death? When he rose again from the dead? For no king in the past ever defeated death. Every kingdom that rose that conquered the world, eventually that king or that warrior, that general would die. This is the only king who defeated death, and there will be none other. What is the gospel? The victory of the Son of God through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Christ paid the penalty of our sin. He satisfied both. Listen, his death, suffering, death, and resurrection satisfied both what? The justice and mercy of God at the same time. Receiving God's mercy gives us rest. One receives this mercy through faith in Christ. Christ justifies through faith alone. But it is God who empowers us to obey in faith by giving us a new heart. So I encourage you, point number two is believe in the gospel. Today, let us receive God's rest by believing in the gospel with all your heart. Let us not be like those who failed to enter because of unbelief. Others failed because of neglect. They heard the gospel, but they neglected it. It wasn't important for them. Others heard it, and they did not believe it. What are you? Or are you the third person who will believe it and believe it until death? Until the end, you will hold on, even if you're threatened, even if somehow you're kidnapped by some of these, those who are against the gospel, and you're threatened like what's happening in China in the Middle East. 
The believers are being persecuted, yet they would hold on until death. And God would receive them in his glory. If you believe in the gospel, you understand that it is about Christ. It is no longer about us. We are bad news because of our sins. Thus, we let go of our selfish desires and we put on Christ. And we put our trust in Christ. We also do not have confidence in our own morality because we are guilty. Guilty once, then guilty. Only Christ removed that guilt. But the guilt is taken away through Christ. Therefore, our confidence is not in the self. Our confidence is in Christ. Then we understand the gospel. Number three, fear God. Be diligent. Let us be diligent to enter his rest. With the fear of the Lord, if we disobey, his word like a two-edged sword will find us and judge our every thought. Let us not think that we are safe and secure when we disobey God. His powerful word will find us wherever we hide. There is no escape from its judgment. If not now, in his own time it will happen. You heard the gospel, friends. Therefore, today, not tomorrow, today, do not harden your heart like the people in the wilderness. They did not enter God's rest for their souls, not the body, but the soul. You may enter it if you believe the gospel. The day to believe is not tomorrow. It is today. I share to you again some words It's called enter God's rest. God's rest, they failed to enter. It was because God was not center. Blinded by their own needs and wants, they gave our God the wrong response. Miracle upon miracle, God saved them from each debacle. Delivered them from slavery, still did not believe Twas crazy. Beware, let us not be like them. Let us remember their outcome. His good news they did not believe. Thus his rest they did not receive. Therefore heed the gospel today. Believe and do not go astray. Else beware the word you reject. For you it will judge and dissect. It is sharper than any sword, obeying the command of the Lord. It will cut down and cause unrest. Therefore, through faith, receive his rest. Let us all rise and let us pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your message. We thank you that we have heard and today we can enter into his rest by believing. And many of us have believed before. Teach us to keep believing. For that is your will. Teach us to keep having faith. Teach us to let go of worry. To rest from worry and fear. To rest from grumbling and complaining. To rest from unbelief, for there is no rest in unbelief against you, O Lord. 
But there is rest when we believe. There is rest when we believe your will. Lord, our lives are yours, fully surrendered. It is yours. Do with it as you please. Should you give, we receive with gratitude. Should you take away, we will trust in your wisdom. Should you give again, we will embrace and praise you for it. Should you take once again, then we will glorify you because of it. Teach us not to conform to man, not to conform to this world. Teach us to be aligned to your word, believing it, trusting it, yet also fearing you and loving you at the same time. Bless your people. Allow us to enter into this rest, for you are in control. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God is good.